EliteFootball.com and a DLF family of podcasts. It's me, it's me, it's that old SFD roaming the streets of Superflex City. And this is the Superflex Super Show. Nobody appreciates that intro as much as my guest this week. I mean, just one of my absolute best friends. Like, I don't... I don't I, Guy doesn't even need a, a, an introduction at this point. He's as much a part of the. <laughs> you're you're still getting one, <laughs> but <laughs> but you don't even. I, I mean, it, you were my in season partner last year, last season, Swags. So, yeah, Swagzilla zero G. Oops, Man, I, I am always happy to be here, but I hope I hope that other people enjoy that intro and that John gives you week in week out. As yeah. much or more than I do, honestly. They they have to know. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I mean, usually, I and I mentioned this uh, last week, um, when I have a guest on, like, they usually just kind of, like, laugh or just kind of marvel while I'm going through it. Like, wait, what is this guy it, doing? I like the marvel, <laughs> like, because there is some of that, too. You know how some of those times when, like, you you have those laughing moments where it's not really funny. It's kind of like ah, like and you're kind of like holy shit. Yeah, you know, that's like exactly I think it. there's some of that too. And I think that um, I would say what I got out of this moment here we just had, John, is that sometimes I think people need to be more comfortable just telling people they kick ass at something. And I think you <laughs> kick ass at that intro and I'm comfortable telling you that. And that, I think that that's one thing. Sometimes you just need to like, hmm, do you ever talk to your wife about a coworker that kicks ass, but you still haven't told the coworker? Yeah. Or do you talk to your wife about, or do you talk to about uh, to a coworker about how your wife kicks ass, but you still haven't told your wife? Yeah, probably. Yeah, so, yeah. Just in case she <laughs> listens, at least she'll. <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah, that's yeah. what I'm taking from it, John. Yeah, totally. Yeah, that's a good point. Well, you kick ass at kind of a lot of things, but uh, <laughs> like one of the things that I that I feel like is um, is one of your superpowers. I told you off air. Uh, and it felt like a backhanded compliment at the time, but I'm going <laughs> to explain this a little bit further. You you are particularly good at preparing for, uh, you know, kind of an individual season. Very good at redraft. I mean, you're always you're always in the Scott Fishbowl playoffs, and you're making a deep run every year. And I mean, that's like it. It feels like second nature to you, but as somebody who has made the playoffs like twice in like six years, five, six years, whatever, and never made it past the first round. I can tell you it's it's not nearly as yeah, easy as there's you a lot of people look. in that. And I didn't do that good last year. Not as good as usual. So but I I, I do appreciate that. And and dude, you're right. Like there there is something about it that I think you just have to be comfortable thinking a little bit differently and kind of just comfortable in your own pants sometimes. Right. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, and, and that's the, but that's the thing, you know, it's, it's being able to think about and, and especially in dynasty, like I said, you know, like it, it felt like a backhanded compliment to say, 
oh, dynasty analyst, uh, analyst, you're really good at redraft fantasy football. Like, <laughs> and, but you know, you know what I mean, kind of, because we're all yeah. we're all so like pompous about like, oh, what's redraft? Right. Like, <laughs> what's one quarterback? Yeah, but I mean, I I end up I end up saying this every year, right around this time, we're starting to shift. Even your your dynasty league start to shift to kind of a redraft type approach. Yeah. This time of year, you know, you spent all those months, you know, kind of leading up to the summer, just accumulating all this value, which is another another thing we need to talk about. But, you know, at least in theory, you've been just kind of accumulating this all this value, all this currency on your roster. And then, you know, around this time of year is time to start cashing that in. But you still have to know what exactly do you're, you're going to cash it in for, you know? Yeah. And, and that's, that's not an easy thing to do. You know, I, like, I, I think that there are going to be a lot of people who, you know, first of all, have determined that their roster is a contender, which I already take issue with. <laughs> it's, yeah. That's already a very difficult thing to assess in, you know, at the very beginning of June, but you know, so there's some, some people who have decided that they're not a contender and some people who have decided that they are. And some so people those, might not want to be a contender. Yeah. Yeah. This new, new day and age. Yeah. Which I think that's legit. And honestly, that's, it's a lot safer to take that route than to say, Oh yeah, like this is a strong contender. I'm going to, I'm just going to, you know, offload all my youth i'm just gonna go all in on this year and i'm gonna go for it but like part of the problem is from there the you know kind of the next step in the logic chain for them is to go start buying up those players that they think are going to help them compete this year and you end up with lots of austin ecklers mm-hmm. you know which is to me there's a there's so much flawed logic in that part yeah you know, like running back one overall in 2022. So, all right, let me, you know, let me get rid of my young wide receivers and go get Austin Eckler in return. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and I love my running backs, but I also understand like what you can do with young wide receivers on your teams. Right. Yeah, exactly. And yeah, I mean, it's that's still foundational. I mean, they're easy to replace, but it's still, you know, I I don't, it, it's a bad bet, you know, mm-hmm. to give up that type of player who could be a long-term solution for you for yeah. a player that is very, very unlikely to do what you think he's going to do. <laughs> I've never seen an Austin Eckler trade in any of my leagues that made me think like, wow, I wish I tried. I'm yeah. always like, ah, I still wouldn't pay that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I know. But in in the, here's the thing is you were saying that in the middle of his running back one running back <laughs> one overall season. So yeah. now that that's already happened and we don't have access to those points ever again, like I mean whatever he's going to do in 2023, it's not going to be what he did in 2022. Right. And yeah. so, like, if you weren't buying then, there's no way. Like, I can't even imagine what somebody would have to 
offer you to actually get you to take Austin Eckler, right? (laughs) (laughs) You also are a notorious Austin Eckler hater. So (laughs) that's funny. Like Dave Wright will, I'm in a league with him and he'll send trades with knowingly having people that I don't like attached to it. But with the other side being kind of like, man, like I do not want Rondale Moore, but wow, I'm about to take <laughs> him I, on. <laughs> like, and I, I, I feel like he does it on purpose. Yeah. <laughs> but we yeah. don't want, we don't need no more, no more, more. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Michael Wilson, pivot to Michael Wilson. I'm with you. I, I think, I mean, listen, Rondell Moore, if, if there was anything coming, it, we would have seen it by now. We would have seen at least a glimpse, right? Yeah. Like, it, yeah. Know. That's what's funny about players like Rondell Moore is like DeAndre Hopkins will get cut and people are like, oh, Rondell Moore season. Yep. And they act like we haven't had a time period in our life where there was Kyler Murray and Rondell Moore without Hopkins when he was suspended last year. And yeah. And then you have Hollywood spectacular. Brown. Yeah. And Hollywood Brown injured. Like there should yep. have been all the opportunity in the world. And now here's the other thing, you know, just to focus on that Arizona offense, we're, we're calling for breakouts from Rondell Moore and Trey McBride, even though they both have a better player, at least one better player ahead of them at that yeah. position. And on top of all that, you're probably it's it's not going to be with Kyler Murray, at least not at first. Right. Like Colt McCoy is going to support two, uh, you know, a wide receiver, one, a tight end, one and two breakouts at yeah. those positions. <laughs> like how? Yeah. <laughs> What's uh, the path? Sounds like you want Hollywood. I like Hollywood. I really like Hollywood. I mean, and that's one thing I've found with like playing this game sometimes the crappy quarterback, Colt McCoy will say. I mean, he's an NFL quarterback. But he, you want those guys like, uh, man, I want to divert this whole conversation to Jordan Love and how he's going to be a one-read quarterback. And that's that's why you want Christian Watson yeah. this year and to not be worried without Aaron Rodgers just because – Aaron Rodgers has has time to think. He has weapons. He has an arsenal in his head. And Jordan Love's just going to be looking for that first read. And I think Colt McCoy will be similar to Hollywood. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense to me. I like that. So, like, that's, you know, back to the original point. Like, that's the type of thing that you spend – a little bit more time than most people thinking about. And you kind of come to some conclusions and some speculation going into the season that typically isn't, isn't readily, you know, readily available to casual fantasy players. You know, you, you can listen to, you know, a lot of the big names when it comes to, you know, redraft around the industry and they'll give you rankings Mm-hmm. They'll give you, you know, they've got a projection model. Most of them, <laughs> like they, drafts. yeah. The, and but like at the end of the day, it's still very ambiguous coming mm-hmm. from them. And that's why, like, I really like to just to just come out and say, like, these are the players that I feel like uh, these are the players that I'm going to have on, you know, on most of my redraft rosters. 
and a lot of my dynasty rosters. I don't take the portfolio approach. I, I feel like there's, you know, there's a small universe of players who really help you win. And I'm going to try and find those guys and I'm going to, yeah. and hope that I hit with those. And it seems yeah. like you, you kind of take that approach as well, right? Yeah. I'm much more similar to that. Like, yeah. um, I'll try to be a little bit diverse here and there, but it gets hard. I can tell you if I look through a lot of my teams, none of them are obviously the same, but they all have similarities. You'll see. Yeah. Like for me last year, Swarkley was the big one. DeAndre Swift. Yeah. Saquon so Barkley. how and do like, you feel about Swift in Philly? I, I, I like that. I think I like it. I yeah. mean, even, I mean, it's not what I wanted to happen as a Detroit fan. Right. <laughs> uh, so I'm not trying to just like backpedal here, but after the air clears and you can really kind of like take it in, I think that's a great situation for Swift. Yeah. I don't think that he has the upside that he had last year. Um, you know, first of all, I'm, I'm always going to have a little bit of an issue with a running back in a, you know, in an offense where the quarterback is a little bit of a running back himself. So as much yeah. as I want to just go completely all in on JK Dobbins and I will at his ADP, I'm, you know, the idea that he's got running back one overall upside, like I'm kind of, I'm, mm -hmm. I'm coming around to the fact that that's probably not likely. I yeah. still think that he's somebody that you want on your redraft rosters, but you know, we're still hunting for that guy who's got the RB one overall type upside. And I don't think Swift is there anymore either in that offense. Like there's, they've got, they've got too much going on and it all starts with the fact that the quarterback is going to eat into your carries, you know? Yeah. So, but you know, Saquon Barkley, I still think is right there. Um, and it, but you know, it's it's even harder to be diverse at running back just because i mean there are only so many options and especially if you start like if you if you name the criteria and then start eliminating guys who don't fit the criteria i mean you're going to be left with a list of about i don't know probably five guys maybe <laughs> so yeah so, but I mean, let's start there. Have you thought about some guys that you think, uh, you know, some running backs specifically that you're going to be um, pretty heavily invested in? I mean, so the one player that comes to mind super quick, and I almost feel like it's low hanging fruit. It, but I've been trying to add Chubb wherever I can. Oh, okay. Nice. Just, no Kareem Hunt. I feel like he's got the most open backfield he's had of his career. He'll have a Watson that is more comfortable, hopefully a better better offense. I'm pretty comfortable like going after Chubb for I don't know what you'll think about this though. So the other day, this was accepted quick. You know when they're accepted almost too quick? <laughs> and so you're I like, say, wait, what'd I do? <laughs> kind of. You're like, oh, I could have probably negotiated what, better. What do you know that I don't know? <laughs> I sent uh, Christian McCaffrey and asked for Christian Kirk and Chubb, and it was accepted. Like, oh, okay. boom, it's before you could say, oh, okay. It, it was fast. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, so I got Chubb and Christian Kirk for McCaffrey. And I okay. feel like I'm probably going to get a similar fantasy 
production as I would have with Christian McCaffrey from Chubb and a bonus wide receiver. Like that's how high I'm on Chubb this year. So let's, let's do a total, like just hard turn here. Um, and you know, so originally I was gonna, I wanted to talk to you about value. Just talked to Tommy Blair a couple of weeks about ago. Value. Yeah. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. Because two time in Tommy. Yeah. <laughs> and he's thought I, he was going to be here. I know. I know. Two time in Tommy. Change your Twitter handle to two time in Tommy. <laughs> yep. Cheating on us with the junkies. <laughs> um, <laughs> but I think you and, and Tommy are pretty aligned on the, on the value thing. So it makes me really, uh, really curious to get both of your thoughts. Um, and, you know, ex- like what exactly it is about the concept of value. But, you know, to me, this trade is a pretty good segue because, I mean, you've got to say that you lost value there, right? If you care about I value. didn't even look. You know, I have access to a couple calculators. And and I'm going to be honest on this one. I didn't even look at Dynasty Trades Calculator or Dynasty Nerds. I didn't look at either of them. Yeah. Because you, you just don't, right? <laughs> it's probably I, I. I don't know. In my head, I feel like it's pretty close. Yeah, I feel like I won the league. <laughs> Which it like that's the part uh, because I mean the value thing just doesn't even enter into it when you're crafting that that trade, I, right? And that's just it, you know. Like you have to kind of think about it, and. And everybody's, but it's Christian McCaffrey who bounced back awesome last year. And I like Christian McCaffrey. This is no shade, but their age is similar. McCaffrey has had much more soft body tissue issues. And I think that they can put up similar points in fantasy. And I, I didn't get older at the position. And I added Christian Kirk, who I think that he might be the most undervalued player in the trade, actually when it comes to just wide receivers and what he's done, I think that you're, you're people are putting too much into Calvin Ridley. Yeah. That's, that's probably fair too. See, and that's one um, place like we play this game a little bit different. Like we both hate wide receivers. Yeah. We, we have to say hate for show's sake. We don't hate <laughs> them, but we hate right. wide receivers, but you want to get your top guys and say, screw the rest. You don't want like a bunch on your bench. I almost want a bunch of wide receiver twos. And then I want to almost stream the position in my lineup. Hmm. Okay. Like there's still an afterthought to me in our, in our startup drafts, even kind of when I'm trading, but I, 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 cause you and I've had this conversation before and I know that you're like, yeah, but you kind of like, you just have another wide receiver now. So I kind of know you feel that way and I get that approach and, um, and I like it actually, but I think that that's where, when I build, I'm a little bit different and I try to get those wide receivers that everybody kind of is just meh about, even though I feel like they can produce and I want uh, one or two extras. And then I want to be stout at running back and quarterback. And that's how I try to get my wide receivers just deep and dirty and hope that they hit. Yeah, Ooh. I mean, <laughs> take that two time and Tommy. Oh, <laughs> uh, that's hot. Um, <laughs> so, so, but how do you how do you stream them? 
like what's what are you kind of looking for on a on a weekly basis that would make you pick one wide receiver over another um watching matchups you know that's something that you and i have done too when you're looking at the matchups and the strength of schedule if somebody's injured in the secondary or if you know maybe there's times when you feel like the wide receiver two or maybe maybe you feel in a tyler boyd week for some reason if you know what i mean and you can get them in your lineup and if you can make those calls correctly play the matchups a little bit and have that depth. I think that's a good way to go into tight ends too. Cause I think tight ends are so fluky and you and I talked about that a little bit last year. Um, but yeah, if I can have that depth at wide receiver to play the matchups a little bit, cause we can't all have Justin Jefferson and Jamar chase and the, you know what I mean? Like that's, that's the dream. That's what you want to happen with your wide receivers. But yeah. Yeah. Kind of play the matchups a little bit. Okay. All right. I mean, I, I don't think we're very far off on that because my personal feeling on it is that, you know, those those low end wide receiver twos are, you know, on a weekly basis, they're going to have the same upside as anybody else. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, you you get a little bit more of a floor from Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase and probably, you know, maybe A.J. Brown. Yeah. Guys like that, like you're going to get a little bit more of a floor, but it, you know, and, and at the end of the season, because I know Peter Howard is listening to this and I know that he's getting pissed off about what I'm saying right now. And he's right that at he's the end of this, for it. I don't even know. I want to know what he's about to get pissed off about. <laughs> like he's at the end of this here, here's, here's the part that's meant to kind of placate him a little bit at the end of the season. Yeah. You're going to see you know, a a difference in the points per game, and it's going to be somewhat substantial. And again, that goes back to that ceiling. The fact that Justin Jefferson and Jamar Chase have a significantly higher ceiling, and they're going to get there close to it, you know, several times throughout the season. But what, you know, what they're not really offering, I mean, Jamar, uh, Justin Jefferson did last year, but what they're generally speaking, what wide receivers are not offering especially, you know, including the high-end ones, the elite type of guys, is a weekly floor. And yeah. and that's why I say, I always say, I don't, I don't care about points per game. Like, that doesn't tell a story. Like, that's just an average yeah. of, of, you know, all the ups and downs that they experience throughout the season. Mm-hmm. And, and again, like, it gets a little bit inflated by the guys with that higher ceiling, but in a given week, there's absolutely an opportunity for Christian Kirk to outscore Jamar Chase. Is That's it going to happen it. every week? Of course not. <laughs> and we have all this information. Like if you're in a league, which I'm guessing you are if you're listening to the Superflex Super Show, if you're in a league, you can click on the player and see like his weekly output. And if I see like too many 40s and a lot of like eights, you know what I mean? And that that huge of a separation like you can see that it's like wow you got 120 of your 300 points in three games that's that's significant mm-hmm. and and you see a lot of risk in that but that does happen with a lot of our our favorite players because i think we look at like you said the average a little too much yeah exactly and yeah i mean it, that's the thing so i guess the difference between us 
I, I, I'm perfectly happy starting off with wide receivers like that. I just feel like it's a cheap enough, easy enough move to upgrade even just a little bit, like upgrade from Christian Kirk to, I don't know, George Pickens. Yeah, if, I don't if hate you, that. If you consider that an upgrade, some people will, some people won't. Well, I mean, I think that I think that you could consider it similar production, maybe even if you got a little bit less from Pickens, but when you're getting younger like that, and what you can do with Pickens just as an asset to trade is different than Christian Kirk. Yeah. But yeah, I wonder what it would take. I I'll I'll toy with that. I'll try to get some Christian Kirk out of here and add some pickings. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, you know, and you can just kind of slowly incrementally improve those wide receivers and like I said, feels like it's a pretty easy move to make. You ever you, you ever know? see those trade blocks come up and they're like okay, they're trading away Amari Cooper. Yeah. And they are looking for young wide receivers. Right. And you're like, yeah. what What do you mean? <laughs> <laughs> so what kind of like young wide receivers? You're not going to give your young wide receivers that are going to give similar production as Amari Cooper is. Yeah. So who do who do you want from me for Amari <laughs> Cooper if you want, if that's what you're looking for? Right. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And Rondell Moore? <laughs> yeah, you can do that. Yeah. <laughs> But that's the thing, like, that's a, like, even if you find a trade that makes some sense there, like, you you expect a pretty big plus on top, mm-hmm. you know? Like, Amari Cooper plus something significant where it's like, I could pretty easily just, you know, make a, make a move for, uh, I mean, you know, get a little bit younger, get a little bit yeah. more upside, whatever. Like, it, you don't have to eat the whole cow in one bite, you know, essentially. So back to, that wasn't that bad, Peter. Yeah. I, I don't think so. He hates it. I mean, he hates everything I do, so it's fine. But like, you know, it's, it's, I, he's especially passionate about wide receivers and feels like, and and I get it, uh, it, you know, I think that he's he's right on a lot of this stuff with wide receivers, but I just think that it kind of, it, it advances my point on this a little bit. The fact that he, you know, he talks about once a wide receiver kind of gets into a range, they just kind of settle there. Um, and, yeah. you know, that's, and that's valuable. That is valuable. So, you know, Garrett but Wilson. That's valuable, but that's also... I feel like Peter should be here. Like we should honor the absence, but he's not. So <laughs> we mean no disrespect. At least I don't. John might. I always do. Yes. But I think that it, like you said, it sell, settles and that's valuable. But like, what exactly settles? Like the production or that average score that we're getting still at the end of the season, or the actual value? Is that what settles? I, yeah, I, I think it's kind of both value and production is the way I understand it. And like you said, I mean, we should really just – I, I, I intend to bring him on the show here, you know, in the very near future. And I'll let him explain. I don't explain think Peter wants stuff, to come but... on the show with me. <laughs> he doesn't want to come on the show with me. He'd be perfectly <laughs> fine with it if you were the you were hosting and I was just nowhere near Superflex – super show <laughs> studio like, he would be so i'll ask him but, on a show and we won't tell him you're gonna be there 
Yeah, exactly. I'll just be and hiding. Hopefully, in the he's background. already tuned himself out of this show. <laughs> It'll be like punked, like after he says something, <laughs> like I'll just kind of jump out of nowhere and be like, "Hey!" Like, just ambush him. Um, but you know, like, like I, I think that his point is Garrett Wilson, for instance, has really kind of settled into. Uh, you know, wide receiver one production, like you can really kind of expect that every year. And as a result, you can expect to get, you know, high end wide receiver one value from him. And the beauty of it is you get that for a long time. You know, they have a much longer career expectancy than running backs. Um, And then once they get there, they just kind of stay there. So, you know, that's a valid point. It's just that, you know, that, that value should not be inflated as much as it is Mm -hmm. like it, because you you know, you're just kind of isolating that one player's production. And again, you're averaging what he did over 17 games. You're not even looking at each individual game. The flip side is he's still just a wide receiver. Right. And and if if you you don't value him as a wide receiver one, then you could you could sell him for some cool stuff, right? I and mean, and, still... and you could potentially find the next Garrett Wilson that's going to be in that category. And is this because of Aaron Rodgers, or is this just because Garrett Wilson's awesome? Uh, I think it's I I'm I'm a little bit biased. Garrett Wilson was my wide receiver one going into last year's rookie okay. draft and and i kept hearing how no no it's Traylon burks it's Traylon burks i i think Traylon burks is a buy low now but like i i and not much of one because everybody's kind of onto this but like i'm i'm biased because uh you know that ended up hitting and everybody who told me that Traylon burks was going to be better than garrett wilson mm-hmm. now has to eat a plate full of you know what i like it <laughs> so but yeah i mean i I I think he was – and not only that, he did it with Joe Flacco, Mike White, and Zach Wilson. Yeah. I mean, you know, you you can really kind of expect that regardless of the quarterback. I also just don't think quarterback play has much of an effect on wide receiver production. But, you know, it, so, yeah, like Aaron Rodgers probably should give him a little bit of a bump, but – even then, I, I, to me, it's just, it's, it's about Garrett Wilson, not Aaron Rodgers. Yeah. I, I, I agree with that. Yeah, I, I think it wouldn't have mattered who his quarterback was, and everybody should have been just as excited about Garrett Wilson. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, in Dynasty, there's it makes a little bit of sense because it is valuable the fact that you can just kind of expect this from Garrett Wilson. So, mm-hmm. you know, once you've got him in your wide receiver one spot. I mean, that's a position that's just kind of taken care of right. for it, years to come. Yeah. You know? But yeah, And I don't hate that. Yeah. Like, yeah, I definitely but, don't want to make it sound like we're sitting here crapping on Garrett Wilson. Right. <laughs> I want Garrett Wilson, too. Yeah. But, I mean, it wasn't so long ago that, Amar, um, uh, that Amari Cooper was there. Yeah. You know? DK Metcalf. Yeah, exactly. And he's still young. DK, yeah, DK is still young. Amari Cooper's not especially young, but you know, it just goes to show you that you know you're you're you you're 
your Garrett Wilson is going to turn into Amari Cooper at some point, and then you're yeah. looking for the well, for that again. So to reset it, you know, it's kind of like like you think of value and a little bit like I kind of see. So we'll use a barrel of monkeys for this analogy. Okay, and but I I I see you actual people hanging on to things and then like everybody attaches to it like all the barrel monkeys like just like hanging on for dear life and wherever there's the most monkeys that's where most of them keep going to and wanting to hang until there's the next something to hang on to and then they move around a little bit to where like nobody wants to hang on to Amari Cooper's feet anymore Right, like they're they're just kind of over it and stinky, and he's done it for you year in year out. It's kind of just mad and boring now. It's really weird though, and and I know it's an age thing. I'm a bit of an ageist myself, but but it's really just kind of like so. I look at that sometimes, and I'm like, wow, so many people are hanging on to this right now. I want to look at this a little bit closer and differently than how they're looking at it. And I, I, I want to find the flaws. <laughs> yeah, whether it's for me or just because I'm a jerk and I, I don't want <laughs> to be like part of something that big. <laughs> like the the whole, I don't even want to say it, but the best way to describe it is that herd mentality. And I just kind of see it to the point where it's just like, man, I used to like that guy, but now it's getting gross. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like everybody's just slobbering all over my man. I don't want that anymore. And I, I move on yeah. a little bit because you just kind of see it happening in this huge overtake. And sometimes it just takes like one, <laughs> one tweet from the wrong person or the right person. I don't know if I'm a lot like, Oh, man, there's some like John got in a fight with this guy, but like JJ Zacharyson can just say like one thing about a player and he's hot. The value went up and that is one of my biggest freaking problems with value is you, me, JJ, we could all be thinking the same thing today, squeezing the same data, <laughs> punching the same buttons. You put it out, you're you're not gonna affect value quite like I want you to, John. <laughs> I put it out, same thing. I'm not gonna affect value too much. Like JJ Certainly puts it out like three days later, holy shit, he's the smartest dude alive. <laughs> Even though I called swags and hoax stupid shits the other day, now that JJ said it, I am grabbing. I'm gonna be one of the monkeys and just hang on to this, as JJ said, and then. <laughs> At that point, I'm like, wow, how did this value like rise so much in three days from and it's like, oh, you can find it, you know, like he either mentioned it on a podcast or you find the source. And that is part of like what I would try my hardest to explain on when I was trying to do the variance of value is just kind of like what different ways value actually happens that has nothing to do with production or anything a player's done at all. It's just value based and there's nothing in this world that is nothing that has values put into them as much as we do into <laughs> dynasty. It's like, it's, it's bigger than our like 
moral compass like any of those values like it's it's close to that though like but it's just so weird that we can find this like fixatious value that means so much to us and we treat it like a weird freaking currency but all it is is emotions like we trade our fucking feelings and emotions and other people's and sometimes we're right and sometimes we're wrong like but we're basically just trading our feelings that's all value is is like people feeling shitty about something to the point where you're like wow i'm buying now like i didn't feel that shitty about it like now i feel bad for the guy you know like poor amari cooper yeah but but that it's just it, value is just an emotional based thing yeah by the way i i love jj and it is it's always a good feeling like the other side of the coin is it's always a good feeling when he does say something that you had already said like a couple days prior it's not that he's copying me like he doesn't he doesn't, he doesn't care about us he doesn't see my tweets unless it goes viral for a bad him so he knows <laughs> <laughs> like so just to be clear though like i was kind of taking on a concept that jj has actually already talked about like the other side of it mm -hmm. and so i had you know i had all the the data nerds all the numbers butts coming after me jj jumped into he was super polite about it it was a it was a good conversation with him it was it's more of the following. It, it was, the following was awful. That mob like, mentality, kick him when he's down. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're, and, you know, they insult your intelligence and stuff like that. Yeah. It's like, what the hell is the point of that? It, it's but like so freaking, oh, God, I could yeah. have a show about that and just how it makes me feel. Yeah. <laughs> it, it wears me the fuck out, man. Like, I'm so wore out. I talk on Twitter less. Like... I'm happy to give you my opinions, my feedback, especially on a show like, but man, I don't have the same fight in me anymore because of so many moronic idiots who in those instances just come at you so hard and then you end up being right and you never hear a damn thing about them. Yep. <laughs> I know. Yeah. The same people calling you idiots will be buying your players next year and never even think about you. Right. I know. Yeah. Like you said, they won't acknowledge. And here's the thing. And again, like I, I like it was, I thought it was really cool of JJ to have a conversation with me about it um, and, you know, do it publicly, but, you know, not lose respect, not not get pissed off about the fact that, oh, I've, you know, like I've podcasted on this many, many times. Um, and now you're going to take a contrarian opinion like it feels like you're just kind of attacking my work, mm -hmm. um, you know, or, or just trying to make a name for yourself by being contrarian. He didn't take that approach. He yeah. actually had a conversation about it. And that's, you know, th to me, that's that's huge. But like. Yeah, I mean, it's it's it, everybody acknowledges that none of us are right 100% of the time. Mm -hmm. So you think that he's right every time he agrees with me. You also think he's right every time he disagrees with me. Yeah. Like, where where is the potential, where are the potential pitfalls there? <laughs> like, you're just kind of expecting that to be, you know, whatever he says to be right 
a hundred percent of the time. Yeah. And not willing to consider a, a you know, an alternate opinion or an alternate right. perspective. Like that talk about bad process. <laughs> yeah. But but like I said, it it's But still, I agree though. JJ's an awesome guy. Yeah. And 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 again, like I end up agreeing with him on a lot of stuff. I mean, we end up saying kind of the same the same things, you know, fairly often. There are a couple big things that we disagree on, but and, I see and zero problem in handcuffing your running backs. Yeah. I mean, the reality is you need just a bunch of running backs. Yeah. I mean, start That's what with the fight your, was about, guys. Right. <laughs> <laughs> As if I haven't brought it up 50 million times since like, then. We but, know, Jesus. <laughs> yeah, seriously. <laughs> but, yeah, I mean, you know, you just need a lot of running backs. You should start with your handcuffs because, you know, when your starter goes down, you have an, uh, you know, an, you have an immediate replacement. But it still it takes so many running backs to get through a season that – I'm, you don't want to stop at just your handcuffs, but you also don't want to avoid your handcuffs. That doesn't, it Man, doesn't make sense to do. I that. just had a, a, a weird realization, like going back to your guys' conversation and, and I apologize. I've cut you off a couple times, but mm. I think Very I'm good. I actually somewhere in between where I thought I was more with you <laughs> and JJ. Cause a lot of times what I like to do and I want to explain how I think about this too. What I like to do is if I have your handcuff, I'm going to see who has that player. I can't think specifically, but I have the crappy handcuff. You have the stud. <laughs> I approach you with a trade because I feel like you're the best fit. Yeah. And I don't want this player anymore. And one of the reasons I like making this trade is because I don't feel like I make your team any better by giving you that player, even if Aaron Jones gets hurt, I don't feel like, and AJ Dillon, I, th I think has stud potential though. So that's a bad example. I don't want to use that. Nick Chubb and Jerome Ford. Yeah. Something like that. Like I want to give you that handcuff. So you feel like, Oh, you know, if Chubb does get hurt, that would be nice. But to me now I haven't made your team any better by giving you that running back. I've just kept you afloat. I'm giving you your insurance policy. Your team's not going to be worse necessarily if you get that Chubb injury, but I'm not giving you like a running back that you can use unless yours gets hurt. Right. And I'm fine with that because he, he will lose value after that injury and Chubb's recovers again. So I, I want to give him to you now though, before Chubb gets hurt at just kind of a discount, get him off my roster, feeling like he was that one thing, you know, that maybe I add to Christian Kirk to get the wide receiver upgrade we wanted. And I know that that's not much for some of these handcuffs, but if it's that one thing looks a little bit more appealing to you and I'm just like, haha, like John's <laughs> team didn't get any better. <laughs> <laughs> so you're just, you're just gaming me now with my handcuff thing. <laughs> That's fine. That's that's all right. <laughs> you can have that one. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah. So, but kind of, you know, back to the back to the value thing. You know, it's it where you're saying it's just kind of artificially created. Aren't we kind of good at doing that though? 
<laughs> I mean, yes, but I want I want to win value next year and not worry so much about it today. Okay. I want it like when I do have value that I feel like I have occurred. I want to make sure that it stays that way, and I want to turn that roster so it it always feels kind of good. And that's why a lot of the trades or discussions we see on Twitter that I was referring to that people like, they know I lost today. They know that what I just did wasn't like, I'm not part of the fad. It wasn't like a cool kid move. I'm not peacocking. I'm, I'm, I'm just kind of like, Oh, it just felt good. This feels right. And a lot of times you get six months down the road and if I post the same trade that then they're on my side and that's what I want to happen. Like, I don't want to worry too much about where value is today. I want to, the only reason I'm using today's value is to try to take advantage of the market, not to hold on to it. Yeah. So this really kind of started with Deandre Swift versus Clyde Edwards, Alaire, right? Like that's kind of the, where like the, the light bulb over your head kind of came on. I think the, I think that that got the light bulb more noticed by a lot of people. I think that tweet that tweet had a lot of votes and it had a lot of views. And I think that that was one that kind of got people, they people, more people saw that one. Yeah. Was that remind me, was it one Oh one or one Oh two or did you just trade those players straight up? You traded, Pl- traded the players straight up. Oh, okay. So you had drafted Clyde Edwards, Alaire. This was before their rookie season even started. You drafted Clyde Edwards-Alaire and then traded him straight up for DeAndre Swift, who was drafted, yeah. you know, a, a couple picks later than yeah. where you took CEH. Yeah. And you did it again. You did it straight up. You didn't do a sweetener. And you know, obviously, in hindsight, I mean, you basically once they set foot on the field, you just won that over and over. Yeah essentially so but the the thing that people have a hard time with is the fact that you know if you took if Clyde Edwards Alaire went you know second overall in that draft class um in that you know in that uh super flex rookie draft and DeAndre Swift went fourth overall you know there there should be something to make up that difference yeah you know, like, and so you should have gotten something to make up for the fact that you drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire, where consensus said he should be drafted, mm-hmm. even though you preferred DeAndre Swift. Yeah. You know, so you like you made the right move, just like in terms of consensus value, in terms of market value, you made the right move by drafting Clyde Edwards Alaire, and then you messed it up by by trading him straight up for a player that would have already been available at that yeah. pick, you know, but you yeah. recognized the value at the time and then ignored the value afterwards. Yeah. And that, that was just it. So, and that's what a lot of people even missed from that tweet is that a week or two earlier, I was part of the herd and drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire. Yeah. So and it was it was a buyer's remorse thing, right? It was like, yep, yeah. I I could I, nobody I couldn't move back. I I I tried, um, 
I tried to even get extra on top of Clyde Edwards Alaire for Swift. It wasn't happening. But the one thing that I mean, and you kind of pointed it out, is I made the mistake in the draft, and then I had to end up being what you said the difference maker wasn't there, but I had to be that difference maker and just kind of willing to be like, you know what I want out. And I, I, I feel like this is crazy. <laughs> Something's not right. And I want to go to Swift. Yeah. And I would do that trade today still, even with Swift in Philly. Of course. Yeah. But, but yeah, so, and that was even kind of an awakening to myself of just kind of understanding what that landing spot did to us all um, and just kind of how crazy and quick it all happened. And then just after thing, the dust settled really kind of being able to think at it, look about at it a little differently and just kind of went all in on Swift that off season. And, and a lot of it was based around that trade. Yeah. So, like, the funny thing about it is if you had just drafted DeAndre Swift, and again, like, I'm just kind of calling it one. I I wish I would have, though. Yeah. But if you had, nobody would have. I mean, you know, you still would have heard, you know, CEH was the value. You're right. You would have heard that. But, you know, it wouldn't be nearly as egregious to people if you had just drafted Swift with that pick as opposed to you know, making the pick that they think you should have made and then trading for the player that you actually wanted. I think you're right. And there's, there's, uh, there's a major fallacy in there, right? Like, Mm -hmm. yeah. Like what, cause honestly, what's the difference? What's the difference between reaching in the draft and then, you know, trading later in, and well, and people do it all the time in their rookie drafts and they justify it. And, and people are okay with that. Like, oh, I went here because this is how I feel. But when I did it in a trade and everybody thought I should have got a third or something, or yeah, um, that's when it got interesting. And I think you're right. If I And the difference is that if I would have drafted him over Clyde Edwards-Alaire, I would have been doing my due diligence and like my job and something I think we all have an opportunity to do in our, in our drafts, our mocks. And I would have changed ADP. Even if it was by like the smallest little smidgen amount, I would have actually been a part of ADP and I would have changed it by, and you might not have noticed it, but if enough people did it, like that's what slowly actually makes average depth position uh, a more usable tool is if we're honest about how we feel and we don't worry about how other people's feel, you change ADP. All ADP is a bunch of average people drafting and it, it gets put into a, a pool of players and um, I could have affected it, but I chose not to. And I drafted Clyde Edwards Alaire. <laughs> so, and there's also an alternate universe where you make the, you make the same move. You draft Clyde Edwards Alaire. Somebody takes DeAndre Swift at one Oh four. And then you decide, you know what? I felt all along like Swift was the better player that's the pick that I should have made. I'm going to correct this now by trading Clyde Edwards-Alaire for DeAndre Swift. You propose that trade, and they tell you to go f yourself. Like, <laughs> yeah. like, no, I love DeAndre Swift. Like, I'm sticking with him. I, I, you know, screw the value. So like, yep. that happens all the time too. 
you know we're yeah. gonna see a lot of that this year in fact you know i think there are probably some people who drafted uh you know for instance um drafted jordan addison over mm. jackson smith Najigba just because they like the landing spot better yeah and then they're gonna stop and think about it and be like you know what as good as that situation is for addison it's you know he just jackson smith Najigba is just the better player like by kind of a lot and yeah. you know it's it and that's going to that's still going to manifest itself once they start playing nfl games mm-hmm. it looks like a not great situation for jsn right at the moment with dk metcalf and uh and tyler lockett supposedly in the way but what ends up happening is a player with that type of talent ends up creating an opportunity that didn't seem to be there before. Yeah. And so Lockett's kind of on his way out too, right? Probably. And not only that, to me, uh, you know, JSN working from the slot, he's playing a totally different position than those guys anyways. Yeah. You know, those perimeter wide receivers, they're they're doing something totally different. Like the guys that JSN is really kind of working against, the guys that he's fighting for, you know, for targets in, you know, a range of the field in a, you know, in a in a zone of the field. It's Noah Fanton, Will Disley. Those names don't scare me. <laughs> no, you hate Noah Fant. <laughs> I do hate Noah Fant. He's so young. <laughs> Yeah, but he still hasn't done a damn thing. No, just uh, what, it does get going into and year five. To defend. Yeah, it, yeah. If we were gonna see something, I feel like we would have seen it by now. So, but yeah, I mean, you know, there there are going to be some people, um, you know, falling into a little bit of a trap with with Jordan Addison taking him over JSN. And then getting that same buyer's remorse and wanting to trade Addison for JSN. Yeah. Just because they, you know, it's like, yeah, like, I, you know, I'm going to lose some value here based on where I drafted this guy mm-hmm. and where you drafted your guy. But, you know, ultimately that's the player that I wanted. And if I had been true to myself at the time, I would have made that pick instead of yeah. trying to make the trade afterwards. Yeah. So yeah, and sometimes man, that's okay. Like, do it now before. I don't think Jordan Addison is just going to fail, but do it now before everybody's kind of with you. And even if you feel a little bit weird about taking less value or a guy that you didn't, you could have had in the draft. Like, as soon as you're feeling that way, just go and do it. The time to sell a player is as soon as you don't want him anymore. Yeah, that's it's definitely not, true. Like a lot of people will wait for those high weeks or a ceiling week or a couple good things to happen or a running back that's in front of the player to get injured and hope that production is going to come to that handcuff. But the time to trade them is as soon as you're, you're ready. It has nothing to right. do with anything else. Yeah. Yeah. And it, it shouldn't have anything to do with the offers you get like back to Austin Eckler. I'm just so convinced that he's kind of at max value right now. Mm-hmm. And yeah, uh, you know, like that I don't even care about getting max value for him. I just, uh, what that means is if we, if we identify 
that he's at max value. That shouldn't mean that that's the value you're going to get for that player. It means that he's about to slide big time. Yeah. And now's kind of the time to move on. Yeah. Like, like you're saying. So, and we'll stay with Austin Eckler. And a lot of times you'll hear like, I'm just going to wait for that week one, that first big week. And then I'm going to trade him. Yeah. And all I heard is you want to trade Austin Eckler. I don't care about when you're waiting to, or what your plan is. Like all I heard is you want to trade Austin Eckler. So just do it right now before he gets hurt in camp before he has a bad week one. I'm not saying those things are going to happen, but there's a range of outcomes for each player. And as soon as you know, you want to be rid of them. Don't wait for anything. You don't need anything. It's, his values there today. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, it, it's kind of the same thing for me with, and this, this pisses people off. Javante Williams and Brees Hall. I'm, I'm, you know, pretty actively selling those guys right now as well. And people, people bring up the value piece and say, you know, they're, they're kind of at their lowest value right now. I don't agree with that. <laughs> Pretty this... high value, man, especially Brees. Yeah, but both of them, this season's going to start without them. There's a there. There's still a long ways for their value to fall. So yeah, even Javante, everybody's seen his videos and how he's doing good in recovery, and that's awesome. How he's yeah. doing good in recovery, but we we see this every off season with these players going through injuries, and we watch them go through their recovery well, and then hardly play or hardly give us the production I want. Right, and then we need to wait like an extra year and then see it happen. And that's kind of where we're hoping like Dobbins is this year. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, I mean that was kind of the process behind the Saquon Barkley call last year. It's a process behind the Dobbins yep. call this year. Although I, I'm guilty of the exact same thing you were talking about earlier. Nothing has changed for J.K. Dobbins. Right. He still has Lamar Jackson as his quarterback. He still has Gus Edwards behind him. It's not like they drafted Bijan Robinson like everybody thought they might. That didn't happen. They didn't even get an opportunity to. They didn't draft Jameer Gibbs. It, it, running back wasn't a priority for them because they're perfectly happy with J.K. Dobbins. Yep. But I went from calling him, you know, the potential running back one overall for the season for 2023 to backing off of that. Like, I still want him on my rosters. My, you know, my ideal uh, starting lineup is going to include J.K. Dobbins. Mm-hmm. But, you know, I just I changed my mind on that value. Nothing has changed about him, you know. Well, it's still like, an offense that likes to run. Even when they had the mad running backs, they're still liking to run. That's an offense that I think wants to put twenty-eight to thirty-two hundred yards on the ground each season, even if some of it's with Lamar. So I think even if Lamar gets twelve hundred, there's close to two thousand yards left on the table. If J.K. Dobbins is healthy, I think that he can have twelve of them. Yeah, I think is that so crazy. Too even with Lamar. Yeah, I no, I think it's doable. I still like I still don't think that I mean, you know, Gus Edwards is probably involved. He gets 700 of them. Yeah. 6 to 7, that's all he's good for. So yeah. we're at we're at 19. <laughs> we can only give we'll only give him 19 about 900 to Lamar this year. Yeah. I mean, the other issue is 
I don't think Lamar Jackson is very good. And uh, as a result, I I'm already going to lose followers for talking about value. <laughs> Maybe I'm diving on the grenade here then. <laughs> Uh, like they're going to forget all about your value stuff and just focus on the fact that I think Lamar Jackson isn't very good. I don't think he's a, is he a great athlete? Of course. Is he a great, you know, runner with the football in his hand? Sure. Absolutely. Is he a, a hard person to defend and scheme defensively against? Of course. Mm-hmm. And that does open things up in the passing game. But the fact that his legs open so much up in the passing game should mean that he's just shredding defense. If he was a competent yeah. passer, he would be shredding defenses yep. with his passing because they still have to respect the fact that he can take off and run it for 50 yards and a touchdown at any time. Like they, He can be just sitting in the pocket, picking them apart, and they can't change what they're doing because yeah. the legs are still are, are still a threat. So if that's the case, why isn't he better at throwing the ball? Like he's okay. Yeah. He's not but he's he's not Pat Mahomes, you know. And uh, no. and Pat Mahomes throws into much tougher defenses. He's not a lot of players as far as like a a pure thrower. Right. He's not even Tua. Yeah. <laughs> he's not even jared goff yeah i mean as far as yeah. like a passer right yeah i think so too and and again jared goff is throwing into tougher defenses because they don't have to worry about him taking off and running yeah you know so and, and there's a there has to be more of a reason than just that he didn't have an agent that he hardly got signed i mean i know he had a very lucrative contract so but it's not like it came easy. Yeah. I mean, I do think that part of it was Deshaun Watson set uh, set the bar way too high with yep. a fully guaranteed contract. And, you know, Lamar Jackson thought, I, I mean, if Deshaun can get that, I should get that, it, which mm-hmm. is which I think is probably fair. But then, you know, saw Jalen Hurts also not get a guaranteed contract. And said, okay, so, like, the Browns are just bad at this. That's all right. that was. <laughs> it's not that the guaranteed contracts are now available to every elite quarterback. Right. Just, there's just one franchise that was willing to do it, and they already did it. So, yep. So, but, yeah, it, you know, the effect that Lamar Jackson being a bad quarterback has on J.K. Dobbins it to me is that you're going to you know you're going to have less time of possession you're going to move the chains less you're going to be in you know in in the red zone less less opportunities to score touchdowns it's it's too bad because mm-hmm. you know in the right situation JK Dobbins would have just a ton of upside but i just think Lamar kills that in several different ways yeah, the touchdowns are almost the most concerning. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, I mean that when on the rare occasion when they do get into the red zone, you know, once or twice a game, you know, you're all of a sudden it's all right. So, like, what do we do with this? And and it's very likely that 
at least half the time they just let Lamar find a way to to get into the end zone himself. But you know, you've got two tight ends, two big body tight ends to go to. You've got now you're you're three deep at wide receivers. Like there's kind of a lot of different ways they can go with the football. So yeah. You just want more opportunities if, you know, for somebody who's in that type of situation. I'm with you there. What do you, how do you feel about Rashawn Johnson for the Bears? Oh, I love Roshan Johnson. Like, I'm going to end up with him on so many, so many teams. Like, I'm, I'm curious about your thoughts too, but to me, he's the most complete. Like, Khalil Herbert has to get on the field. He's too good of a pass catcher, you know? I, I don't think Donta Foreman plays a role, has yeah. to get, Yeah. I don't think Donta Foreman has to get on the field. No. But you know, you you take what Khalil Herbert does well, you take what Donta Foreman does well, you combine that into Roshan Johnson. Like he's he's a complete back. There's yeah. no real reason to take him off the field other than the fact that you wanna every now and then get Khalil Herbert alone in space. Yeah. Like <laughs> that's all it so yeah. yeah, I love Roshan Johnson, man. Like it, it's that's like the perfect opportunity for him. But yeah, yeah, what are do you have anything to add to that? I'm with you, but I think I like Herbert a little bit less than you. Really? So it makes me like Roshan more because I think Herbert's just kind of a guy that fit the role well while David Montgomery was down, and then we saw even when David Montgomery was back from injury, that's who they went right back to. I think they were looking yeah. for somebody to replace Dave Montgomery. And not, I don't think that that necessarily means complimenting Herbert, but I do think Herbert will have a role on the team. I just don't think yeah. we'll like it for fantasy football. Yeah, probably not. I mean, I, I, so I, I, I'm, a, I'm kind of sick of the term cheat code. <laughs> like everybody's got some kind of cheat code. Everybody is a cheat code. In fact, um, but like, you know, running backs who who uh, you know get a high number of targets per snap, like that's that's a little bit of a cheat code, especially yeah. you know when you're talking about robust running back, when you're talking about zero running back, anyone who yeah. still does that, you shouldn't. But like, if you do, you know, kind of the 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 hack yeah. is to find Austin the guys Eckler. who catch passes. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Because you know, there's 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 more standalone value. There's more of a floor. Yeah. You know, it, like you're ob- very obviously taking Khalil Herbert over Donta Foreman, right? Yeah. Even though, like, if this works the way we think it would, and you know, Roshan Johnson does rise to the top of that depth chart, if he were to get hurt, now all of a sudden Donta Foreman is a very viable start, and you know, Khalil Herbert's work doesn't really change. But, you know, because of that, we know that Khalil Herbert, as long as he's healthy, he's got a, a scoring floor every week. Yeah. So. No, that's a good point. And even I want to add that I think that Herbert would change a little bit. And But he's, he probably does have that safe PPR floor that you're referring to. But then I think if Johnson went down, I do think that Herbert goes up a little bit. I think that he gets a little spike, too. Really? Even with Foreman yeah. out there. Yeah, he could a little bit. Um, yeah, I mean, you know, whatever passing downs work, uh, Herbert, 
<laughs> yeah. I but I love to do that. Like, you know, at the at the end of my bench when you're just kind of sorting through running backs, trying to figure out like how do you choose between, you know, Jamichael Hasty and uh, uh I mean Dearness Johnson, for instance, or Tank Bigsby. There you go. Yeah. You know, on the same team. Like how do you decide between these guys? Well, okay, let's like Thanks here's the tank. easy thing. You're going with Tank? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Oh man, you said easy, and then you realized that we weren't in agreement. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> didn't uh, I should have seen it coming, but I didn't. <laughs> for for I mean, we're comparing him to who? Jamichael Hasty. Yeah, yeah, I'm gonna take Tank. Okay, I mean, if you have Etienne, yeah, like Tank is the handcuff, so sure, but. To me, like if you don't already have Etienne and you're just you're trying to decide between these two guys, who's gonna catch the passes? I mean, I don't know if you know me or not, but I don't have any Travis Etienne. It's <laughs> zero. <laughs> you, you hate him too? Who do you like? <laughs> I like people that help me win, man, not the people that everybody on Twitter is liking. <laughs> <laughs> okay well so that takes us like <laughs> this like takes us all the way back to how we actually started this episode and it's Tank very bigsby's like a cheap travis etn yeah okay. all the upside without all everybody arguing about him <laughs> but i thought you don't care if if people are arguing about him i'm saying that i and that's why i'm taking tank Oh, okay. <laughs> like everybody is into Travis Etienne, no matter what. Oh, gotcha. Okay, that's why I'm taking he, Jermichael. He can do Hasty. no wrong, even if it's nothing. That's why I'm taking Jermichael Hasty. Nobody gives a shit. About that yeah, guy. That, that you got me there. <laughs> but yeah, so all the way back to we were talking about, you know preparing for redraft preparing for scott fishbowl um and now we're talking about like guys that you actually like uh just to circle all the way back and it's good timing because we're gonna have to wrap this up here in a second but uh what does the ideal so let's say let's say uh quarterback super flex two running backs two wide receivers in a tight end we don't need to worry about flexes right at the moment all right What's what's your perfect lineup with that setup? Oh man. <sighs> Josh Allen and Justin Herbert. Okay. <laughs> Nick Chubb. So Nick ah, Chubb, man. right? Yeah, running back. I mean, I I would take some Chubb. I'm thinking of Jonathan Taylor too, but mm -hmm. I think he'll have a better year with Richardson. Um, so yeah, Herbert Allen will go, man, the running backs are tough, man. Cause there's a lot. I just think Chubb is priced out, right? Like I think you can get him, but I think you'd still want like a, a Barkley up there. Like we'll go Barkley Chubb. Okay. No, I, I do want some Taylor. We'll go Barkley Chubb, Justin Jefferson, Jamar Chase. And TJ Hawkinson. Okay. Chalk at wide receiver, but that's okay. Like, well, I mean that. I mean, how how could I not? 
Right. The only, I, I mean, I could have went with Bajan Robinson for running back. Sure. But that didn't sound as fun. But the wide receivers, I mean, it's kind of set. Yeah. If you're giving me whatever I want there. Um, totally. More likely, I'm more likely to have, like, Justin Jefferson and DK Metcalf. I don't have any Jamar Chase. I, for some reason, have a ton of Justin Jefferson, which that means that there was a point in time when you guys didn't like him. If I have a ton of something, it means there was a point in time when you guys didn't like him. <laughs> That's so accusatory. It's so true. <laughs> I remember getting Justin Jefferson, like, cheap his rookie year before he did anything. Same with Waddle. I have a ton of Waddle. Yeah. Um but I remember getting Justin Jefferson at like 110, 111 in a lot of rookie drafts. Same with DK Metcalf. Um, yeah, a lot mm-hmm. of my highest rostered players are players just that at some moment in time people didn't like. Jalen Waddle, that was one for you. Yeah, Zach Wilson. Big <laughs> hit there. <laughs> That's the problem. I never do it at wide receiver. Like... <laughs> Even when I've got a a strong feeling on it, like I like I said last year, I was like Garrett Wilson is the best out of this group. And I mean, this could be a very good group. It could be a pretty mad group, but either way, Garrett Wilson's the guy. And then this year, it was Jackson Smith and Jigba is better than anybody who came out last year. <laughs> but I still yeah. don't. I still don't go hard after those guys because they're still wide receivers and they're still freaking replaceable. Well, and you probably still have to. You probably have to have at least a 105-ish. Yeah. Maybe 106 to get them. And at that point, I mean, man, I'm seeing which quarterback fell to me if that happens. I'm seeing if Gibbs is there. Yep. And – but then I'm with you. That's, I'm, I'm going wide receiver after Gibbs is gone, assuming the top three quarterbacks are gone. Yeah. John's gone. Gibbs is gone. So that puts us at six. I'm going JSN. Yeah. Over just so Addison is kind of the me. The, yeah, I, I have a draft where I, dra- I I had to draft JSN and it was over Addison. Yeah, I mean that's kind of where the tear break is. It's those three guys. It's Gibbs, Addison. At least for most people, it's going to be Gibbs, Addison, JSN. Mm-hmm. You know, at at five through seven. So, um, so I was yeah. in one two tight end league where I took Dalton Kincaid 107 and even that felt kind of dirty. Yeah. I hate two tight end leagues. (laughs) I know. If if you guys are listening and you're like, but you're in mine, I'm referring to yours. Yeah. I hate your league. (laughs) (laughs) This is another thing that I think Peter Howard agrees with me but would hate to admit that and just might not but yeah two tight end leagues are like it doesn't it doesn't solve the problem they think they're solving no by requiring a second tight end like (laughs) it does nothing yeah it doesn't makes it stupid like it doesn't make dalton schultz a better player like It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, or David Njoku. Like, it's All it not really like, does is make probably 10 teams or more have a couple players in their lineup scoring two to four points a week. That's all right. it does. <laughs> yeah. 
it turns Brenton Strange into a starter, like a startable <laughs> player. Like, Good job. Yeah, that's what you wanted. Awesome. Brother of kickers <laughs> at this point. Yeah. That's saying a lot for me. <laughs> yeah, I agree. Uh, um, Did we even right. talk about what we were supposed to talk about today? Well, we didn't have <laughs> we didn't have an agenda, uh, which we usually don't, and it ends up being a good thing. I feel like um, I went to the grocery store for milk and came home with a bunch of junk else. food, and it's but it's good junk food. It's not like I'm I'm pretty excited about my haul to be yeah. honest with you, but I forgot the milk. Lots of comfort food, yeah. Still no milk. And, and my wife's like, did you get the milk I wanted? And I'm like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but I think we get to say, though, no, I didn't get milk, but I got you something better. Yes. <laughs> I don't know what that is. Like, I don't know what the, the like, the the amped up substitute for milk is. But, yeah. Look just... at all this awesome stuff I got you. You can check out while I go back to the store to get milk. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Well, whatever it is, whatever it is we just created, uh, we've done it before. We will do it again. We've got to do it again, though, very soon. Um, magic. Yeah. So uh, we we need to get out of here. We're at time. But, yeah, we whatever it is that we just cooked, man, that was that was magic. And uh, always appreciate you have you coming on and uh, and taking the time for me. Yeah, man. Thank you, man. This is I feel the same, dude. This is a lot of fun. I needed this. Yeah, totally. Yeah, yeah. We just need to catch up from time to time, and and the problem is we're not good at it if we're not on a podcast. <laughs> yeah, we, we both convince ourselves that we're way too busy. I so. feel like, but truth, truly, I mean, you can ask Fenero, who I'm with all the time. This is this feels like one of the busiest years of my life. Sure. And it's kind of been fun. So that's it's it and I'm talking like personal life, you know. So yeah. it 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 makes it tougher, you know. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. But these I mean, times yeah. are awesome. You you you've got a lot of very very positive stuff going on, a lot of growth going on and and it's all good. And the thing is, you know, me and the super show and that super flex super friends, we're all going to be here on the other side. So, it, you know, just go, go do what you got to do and um, just keep coming back when you've got some time. Anytime, man. All right. Thanks, brother. Let's wrap it up for the week. And as we do that, I'm going to ask you for a quick favor. If you haven't already, subscribe to the podcast, rate and review the podcast, help me to get out to more people, involve more people in the conversation. Then we can really drill down to the topics that are the most useful to you, my super friends. You can also subscri subscribe to the DLF family of podcasts, Mega Feed. Get access to all the great podcasts from DLF uh, along with the Super Show. This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James the Brain Catullus. Uh, <laughs> I don't know if you're laughing about this, Swags, but I'm, I'm totally skipping over the Twitter stuff because I hate Twitter. So <laughs> well, no, you were like, you, you were like, in the, this is the way you said, oh, and the super show. <laughs> yeah. Twitter's weird. It's like every time, every time you mention who you are on Twitter, you're advertising for free. Yeah. And, and then they want you to pay for it. Yeah. It's so weird. Like, you, like we, it, we just kind of 
instinctively give out our Twitter handles too. Like yeah. every podcast, like yep. you introduce, like it's a, your actual government name at this point. Yeah. Like he swags at Swagzilla zero yep. G. Like it, you're not just, you're not give, just, you're not your Twitter anymore. handle. <laughs> the show starts at nine. Yeah. Eastern, Eastern time. Everything's <laughs> Eastern time. And this. <laughs> <laughs> and after you give your Twitter handle, make sure to tell them what your Patreon is mm. because you got to make five bucks for doing this. You can't just do it for fun. So, yeah. <laughs> but above all, I, I, I'm just really, I'm so done with Twitter. Um, obviously not fully done with it because i keep talking about it every week but just felt like i needed to explain why i'm not throwing out twitter handles this time i'm <laughs> just skipping right to it's doing it just for me exactly yeah so don't feel bad for never being on twitter because twitter sucks and we don't acknowledge twitter around here anymore anyways <laughs> This episode was dedicated in loving memory to James Brank Toulis. Thank you to Heart and Soul Radio for the music. Thank you to DLF for the platform. Thank you to my man Swags for joining. And above all else, thank you for listening. And until next week, stay sexy and super flexy. Yeah.